We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blue Wire. The Chicago Bulls select Kobe White. Levine with the runway. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. We're part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. As always, I'm here with Jason Pat, and we have a special guest joining us today. The man formerly known as Cosmos on Twitter. Now he is Brian J. Draft, perhaps the godfather of the draft, the godfather of all drafts. He's going to be discussing his draft children with us on this evening episode, one day before the lottery. It's Brian S. What's going on, Brian? I can't believe you outed my extremely well-hidden secret like that. (laughs) I was just asking myself, I'm like, should I say his name? I don't don't know. know. Anyways, thank you for joining us, dude. We're going to be talking about the draft. Uh, We're going to be talking about the Bulls with... Wow, I should really have this off the top of my head. What is it, like a 20.8% 20.3, I believe, is what it 20. is. 20.3% chance of landing a top three pick. That's going down. Top four. The lottery tomorrow night. Four. Ending a top four pick, of course. But, uh, you know, we're just basically going to hit on some of the top prospects, uh, who we would take, how we would rank the prospects if the Bulls were to land in each pick. And we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the Bulls' second round pick as well, because they have number 38. But first, let's touch on the playoffs, because... I don't know how you guys feel about this. I have loved watching the playoffs. Obviously, the injuries totally suck. I find the Kawhi injury to be uniquely heartbreaking because I really felt like it was setting up for Kawhi to just, like, power his way to another finals MVP and really, like, embolden his legacy and whatever. But it does level the playing field, for sure, with Kawhi out. So we're left with the Bucks versus the Hawks. Unbelievable. (laughs) that the Hawks are in the conference finals and the Suns already have a one Oh lead on the Clippers. So all of this is shocking. I can't believe the outcome of either series in the Eastern conference. Uh, And, you know, sort of the big piece of speculation that's come out of the Eastern conference playoffs is what do the Philadelphia 76ers do with one Benjamin Simmons, Ben Simmons, absolutely brutal, especially throughout the last three games of the series Uh, versus Atlanta. I think he took three field goal attempts in the fourth quarter throughout all seven games. I believe he combined for 19 total points across the last three games. 
dude, I mean, he looks like Chuck Knobloch out there. He Worst like- free throw percentage ever, I believe, in a playoff series or in a playoff run, something like that. 32% from the foul line or 33% from the foul line. Uh, had the famous play in game seven where he passed up the wide open dunk. Joel Embiid called it the turning point in the game. Yeah, bus tossed by Doc and, and Embiid. Uh, Doc said that, you know, he, he didn't know if he could still see Ben Simmons as a guy who could be the point guard on a championship level team. So now obviously everyone's trying to trade Ben Simmons and it's tough to trade Ben Simmons, but as NBA writers around the web have tried to do this, one name that has consistently popped up is Zach Levine. So there's been a chorus of Bulls fans that have said, no, we're not giving you Zach Levine for Ben Simmons. I agree with it. I think there might be some recency bias at play there because Simmons' value has never been lower. If we were to have this conversation, Zach for Simmons, a year ago coming into this season, maybe these answers are wildly different. Of course, Zach got better. Simmons has a little bit of Lowry marketing in him where he just doesn't get better on the offensive end. On the defensive end, he has gotten better on the offensive end, not so much. So my question for you, Brian J. Draft, is do you have any interest in Ben Simmons on the Bulls? Do you think that there could be a way to land Ben Simmons in a multi-team deal while keeping Zach, keeping Vooch? And just, you know, dude, Ben Simmons, we've been tracking him since he was a prospect. How are you feeling about the Ben Simmons experience these days? The thing with Ben is I still think he played, like, I still think he was probably a positive factor in that series because he's an excellent defender, screen setter, all this stuff. It's just the vibes on that team are awful. Like, they just had, they had no confidence in him. He had no confidence in himself. He just completely, like, yeah, like he recane killed it. He chuck knoblocked it. Like, there's no other real description. There's no other real way to, to, to categorize that. Um, I would have no interest whatsoever in trading Levine for him. It's not even necessarily because I think Levine is better than him. Uh, it's because unless they're getting like a first on pick or something, uh, we all understand that that means that Kobe White's going to be having the ball like a lot. <laughs> and I don't want that. <laughs> I, I would not like that to happen for the bulls. There's no way they're going to be a playoff team. If Kobe is the number two scorer next to Vooch, like that's just not going to, that's unless we can, like, like physically restrain Billy Donovan and have him swear under punishment of jail that he will involve Patrick Williams in the offense all the time. I'm not interested. No, thank you. Yeah, so I would like the idea of Simmons, if you could get him next to Vooch and Levine, then I think it would be interesting. And, you know, there's some people who would still be against it just because Simmons was such a liability on the offensive end of the floor in the playoffs. But, I mean, the Bulls are going to need... I think like big power athletes with a defensive mindset next to Vucevic and next to Levine, if they're really going to maximize that pairing, there's no one better in that regard than Simmons, who's a tremendous perimeter defender, a impactful defender at the rim as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, He can handle the ball. The bulls need a point guard. He could somewhat sort of fill in that need for facilitating an issue with Simmons though, is that, he should be a terrific rim attacker given his physical attributes, given his relatively tight handle, especially for his size. But he's so worried about getting fouled when he goes to the basket that he doesn't really want to attack the basket in full force. So, you know, I've heard Bulls fans say, I wouldn't even trade Patrick Williams for him. I wouldn't trade Kobe for him. I, I would I trade Patrick Williams for him. People are going a little bit wild on this, on these Simmons takes yeah. the other way. Uh, but certainly a fascinating player. And 
I do expect him to get moved. I, yeah, expect- I, he, I mean, he, there's no way he can come back to this. I mean, one he got buried by Embiid, got buried the, by Doc. yeah. The, the Embiid thing is the big one. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just like I feel like he just can't come back from. He just, just needs the fresh start. I mean, he talked about how like mentally he was just fucked this series, I mean, and and just like his admissions about the playing and like the 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 excuse for the the pass whatever last night was that what he thought Gallinari was gonna follow him it was basically like he was coming over my back like dude you are. Like seven feet tall, just go up and dunk it. Like Trey Young was under the basket, like clearly worried about the foul stuff. And the free throw shooting stuff is super weird because uh, there was a good piece also today. I think I'm not sure how to say his name. Yar- Yaron, former SB Nation guy who wrote the process book uh, at Fox Sports, had some just some good old stuff from Simmons. Just like I know there's that there was that also that video going around from like Summer League where like he was shooting jumpers. Like Obviously, it's a like summer league video. Like you don't want to look too much in that, but like he was at least taking jump shots and making some. And like his free throw percentage in the uh, as a rookie, I think it was like seventy percent on like five or six attempts per game in the in his first playoffs as a rookie. But it's just like the regression. Like we talk about Lowry, like regressing, not getting any better. Like that's what Simmons. Like it just like hasn't gotten better. It's gotten worse. He admitted the mental stuff. So it's just like where where is his head at? Like does he just like totally need that fresh start? It seems like he does. And so, like trading him for this point, for this point, does seem like you're trading him low, vet lowest value. But like, so many teams could still use him. I do agree yeah. that like, like people are going way the other way. Because my, I mean, I've tweeted about this stuff, and people have been on mentions like, no way you trade for this guy. Like, no way the Bulls should do it. It's like you trade for Ben Simmons if you like don't give up. The, if it's putting him next to Vooch and Levine, like that team's gonna be fucking real dope in the playoffs or in the in the regular season at least. Like that's guaranteed, very good regular season team. The playoffs. You know, the other thing. Yeah, I ahead. just I just realized also. Uh, I know we we mostly like the new regime, like we don't hate the new regime at least. Yeah. I still don't know if uh, trading for a guy with like sports psychology, mental problems, on the but and putting him on the Bulls is necessarily going to fix anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who <laughs> knows? It, it like we we all remember we, we remember summer league Wendell, and then we we had Bulls Wendell, and like yeah, didn't didn't go great. Yeah, yeah, he seems to be. It's it's kind of remarkable that he seemed to be almost immediately cured of that when he went to the Magic. Like he just needed to go somewhere else. So, yeah, I guess uh, that that's what you'd hope with Simmons. I guess just getting out of Philly, fresh start. I mean, was, they were obviously booed off the court last night. Like, th- there's just so much vitriol towards him right now. So, like, I think there's a Simmons trade that 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 works really well, and I I'm really interested to see if the team, this particular team, pulls the trigger, and that's the Thunder. What's the uh, trade? What do you got in your head? Kemba. And oh yeah, and one, yeah. one of those first maybe like a protected one for Simmons, and then maybe some like flotsam. Like man, that's such a shitty trade for Philly. But you know what? Philly's in the at the point where they the almost is, can't win a Simmons trade. Yeah, like well, they, they can't win one. They they need Kyle Lowry, but they may not get Kyle Lowry. Like I don't know if that's gonna work. So like if right. Kemba can do anything, and thing is, their their training staff is a lot better than it was. Like Embiid is Embiid is, is he, he's not. You don't really count him like. He's. I saw people asking how he's playing through an injury, and it's like he's been playing through injuries for ever and years now. Like he knows how to do it. He he just ignores pain. Like that's what he does. Um. Yeah, man. The the Sixers. The thing is, I I really, as much as I like making fun of Sam Hinkie, I really don't like this process revisionism because the process worked fine. It's it's not keeping Jimmy Butler and not going for Harden and like just these little mar not going for Kyle Lowry like these little margin things that just. The Josh Richardson Mike, Mike Cal contract trading him. Yeah. 
hiring Doc Rivers before you hire Daryl Morey. Uh, there, there's lots of problems. So, you know, that, all that stuff. Thunder trade you threw out. I think that's definitely not enough for Philly, just in my opinion. However, the Thunder have so many picks that they could just yeah. really juice it with picks if they wanted to. I think one potential trade that could make sense, uh, and most people are going to hate this probably, but, you know, give me, if I'm Portland, I'm offering McCollum in Covington, and you might need to throw one other salary to match it there. It's but I think the most popular idea that, that, that I've be, seen. Now, McCollum obviously is overpaid. He's not nearly as good as Simmons. And honestly, on face value, Philly loses that trade, trading Simmons for McCollum and Covington, I think. But McCollum was actually a killer at the start of the season great before season. he got hurt. Yeah. He's low-key old. I think he turned 30 this year. Mm-hmm. So... I don't know. It's not an amazing trade for Philly. I don't think Philly can win a Simmons trade this offseason. That's the thing. You you can't. You can't win a, a trade trading a 25 or under gold star level player. Unless you're, like unless, you're, was just so unless you're packaging them for like James Harden or something yeah. like that. Yeah, and, I mean, they they need they need to get to like someone ready made. That's that's like the issue with the Bulls. Like if the Bulls, obviously, are, they're not trading Zach and Vooch. Like, who are you trading to Philly where it like makes sense for them? Where they're tr- they're trying to contend with Embiid and their roster. So like that's why the Bull, a Bulls trade probably will not happen because like the Bulls are not going to trade Zach for him. But like the Phil- the uh, the Sixers aren't going to take. I mean, with Patrick Williams and like salary filler and like maybe like another first. Like <laughs> bad. That's just that's just not good for the Sixers at all. Like they could definitely find something better out there. And the Portland one, I th- like I said, I feel like it's the most popular one I've seen out there. I think I've seen the Kemba one as well. So like that does I think make kind of sense with, with what they need. They need a guard who can get buckets, can score in the half court. And CJ was really good at the start of the season. So like. And with the Blazers, like Simmons and Lillard, like they need the defensive improvement. It makes some sense there. So like both teams looking to shake things up. I'd fucking do that in a second if I'm Portland. It seems yeah. like the it seems like the obvious it's one. CJ first yeah. class, ship him to Philly. Give me Simmons. If I'm Portland, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. The thing with the thing with that trade is that the Sixers still lose it, but I think the fan response would be good because they get Covington and they love Covington. <laughs> they do. This day. Process That's legend. That's why I included Covington, Covington in this. Yeah. Uh, and then the only other one I think that might make some sense, and of course I've been talking about him on this podcast, I think in my opinion, one of the more underrated players in the league, now maybe an injury concern though. So how does he project moving forward? Malcolm Brogdon. Indiana can't get a player of Ben Simmons stature via free agency. So why not potentially try to swing this trade for him? They could throw in TJ Warren. They could throw in Brogdon. Do you want, I don't know, Miles Turner, take him, hmm. who cares? Like if I'm Indiana, maybe I would. Uh, I think I would really try to get Ben Simmons. You know, it's funny. You were talking about an underrated guard with injury problems, and I thought you were going to mention Derek White. And I'm like, what if there's like Derek White and DeRozan? Thought about package? that too. Thought DeRozan in Philly would be killer. That's like he doesn't I mean, defend that's... enough, but maybe it doesn't matter with MB yeah. there. I mean, the half court offense. You, they're, you they're get offense. him. You get him solely for the playoffs. They need they need half court swing. Their offensive rating. I mean, they they couldn't score against like these Hawks lineups. Then they're running out Trey, like Lou Will, Gallo, Kevin Herter, like, and they couldn't score against these guys. Like that's fucking brutal. Yeah, a Kong, a kind of beat the shit out of them. I like, would. I was surprised. Kongu when, when, I when, when, but I, I listen. I'm a huge Kongu guy, but like, you should not be getting run off the court with a rookie, a six eight and a half, six nine rookie center who just 
beat Dwight Howard's ass for seven games. <laughs> Dwight was bad. Him, Dwight was bad. Thibault was awful. That's serious. Terrible. It's multiple bad fouls. Yeah. It's awful. That's what he does. I like yeah. Thibault's cool, but like he, he's not, you know, what really, it's why I don't think I, I'd actually wouldn't be that surprised if they didn't make any drastic moves is because they lost that series. Cause Danny Green got hurt. Yeah. Like Danny Green's healthy. He's on her or her does not have what 27 points. He doesn't, maybe he has like 15, but that doesn't happen. Yeah. But if Atlanta is DeAndre Hunter, true. Yeah. But DeAndre, I mean, okay. DeAndre is not, didn't get hurt. DeAndre is injured. <laughs> like this is yeah. what DeAndre is now. <laughs> Danny Green got hurt. Like it was kind of a freak injury. Like it's not something that happens to him that often. So, yeah, I think it, there's, it's probably wise to not overreact, but they probably will. Yeah, like, it's just what's going to happen. Well, we'll see how that plays out. We should transition to this to the draft. So lotteries tomorrow night. We're not going to make this podcast dated. This podcast, you'll be able to listen to it after lottery too. But I do want to talk about the hypothetical of the Bulls possibly getting in the top four. So the Bulls have whatever, like a 20.6% chance or whatever it is. 20.3. You'll get get it next time. Top four. I'll get it at some point. I don't think it's going to happen, quite frankly. So I haven't really been uh, (laughs) concerning myself with it. But let's say the Bulls get the first pick in the draft. That's 4.5% chance. Jay draft, 4.5%. That's a larger chance than they had for Rose. It is. I want to go just over, great point. I just want to go over every, uh, who you would take at every slot. So number one, this can be quick. Uh, I think we're going to agree on this one. <laughs> With the you first take- pick in the draft, Cade Cunningham. You take Cade. I feel like Cade would solve almost all the troubles the Bulls. The Bulls need a player who is exactly like Cade Cunningham. If they got if they got number one pick and took Cade, they would be, depending on injuries to other teams, they would be in contention to make the Eastern Conference Finals next year. Wow, a huge investment. So I guess, I guess just they would at least be a competitive second round team. Okay, so who? I guess just going in that. If you think he'll be that good that quick, who? Would it's not even someone said he'll be that good. It's just if he is next to Levine, that solves a lot of the the the, the, the okay the once in a while problems he had. Like I don't put any stock into that Oregon State yeah. game where they were throw. Right. They literally like two guys would grab one guy and throw them at him. <laughs> it's like yeah, he just yeah, it's fine. The, anyone who has any real concerns about Cade's score should watch that Baylor game in the Big Twelve tournament. Did you know that he beat them basically by himself? He beat Baylor, the team that destroyed Gonzaga. They only lost twice, and one of the, the other loss was like two days after they all had COVID. So like, yeah, no, Cade Cade won that game. Not single-handedly, but about as single-handedly as you can win a basketball game. That might have been the most impressive game for a draft prospect in this cycle. There's certainly a few Mobley games you can go off of. Uh, there's, there's a couple other Tugs games. Tugs against Iowa was was up there. There's Tugs against, yeah, against a few teams. But I thought that game against Baylor was just unbelievable. But here's my Cade question for you. We're going to play this draft. We're going to play this game, Brian J. Draft. I'm curious where you think Cade rates historically compared to other recent number one overall draft picks. And this is hard to do given the information you have on these other guys now, but I'm going to name a guy and you're going to tell me if you can just try to remember as a prospect, because mm-hmm. you've been in the game for a long time. Who, If you think that, you know, Cade is a stronger prospect than this guy who went number one overall. Uh, let me see. Where do I want to start off with here? Uh, I feel like I had a good one. Oh, Carl Anthony Towns. Would you? Take- yes. Yes. You take. He has, he, he has the ball more. He has the ball more. That's always my. 
if I'm ever cons- if I'm ever toss up between two players, I always go with whoever will have the ball like in creation situations more. Sure, bring the ball up, go around screens. Whoever does the de- what de- what Devin Booker was doing yesterday, <laughs> basically. Yeah. So then, obviously, Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. Cade. Right. Yeah, it's still relatively close. Like Simmons was an awesome prospect. Fultz. Even, yeah, Prospect Fultz was good, but he it was even then kind of a weaker number one. I was all in on Prospect Fultz. I was he was simp. awesome. He was definitely was the number one guy. For Prospect Fultz. I thought he was an absolute killer. I saw him play it at Damatha. They played at the UIC Pavilion, and I went to cover that. Oh, man. I wrote <laughs> a couple of long stories on it at SB Nation, and he was a killer. Uh, DeAndre eight. Yes. Same reasoning as, as Towns. Uh, Zion Williamson. No. And then Luka Doncic, who didn't go number one, but no, I think I, I, I talked about this. I think they're very, they're pretty similar, like more similar than I think I thought we'd get for a Luka comp. I think the difference is that Luka has no, it's sometimes to his detriment, but Luka has absolutely no like risk. He, he never in his brain is like, oh, that's a risk. I shouldn't do that. He just does it. It's completely instinctual. Whereas, like Cade will sometimes pull back on stuff he maybe should take or maybe could take. He got a lot better at it as he was basically forced into being the like a extremely prolific scorer by the complete offensive inability of like none of his teammates could score on their own except for Avery Anderson. Um, and you know he had his uh, his other his backcourt mate was like standing in the paint for forty percent of their plays because Isaac likely doesn't he's not a shoot doesn't shoot. He's a center, basically. Um, but even then, I, I do think Cade sometimes does. He doesn't quite have that like insane confidence that Luca has as like a scorer, and that can win you games, you know. For sure, we're seeing it. We're seeing it in, this, in these playoffs. Right, yeah, d- definitely. Yeah. So I guess my question was going to be then: if the Bulls did get number one, who would you trade that for? It would be hard. I got a question for Brian. Brian, would you trade that first pick for Shea? For Shea? No. No, you would take Cade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't. I'd be a little tempted to go Shea. I think what would separate Cade, maybe though, is well, first of all, just like you have him on four years of a rookie contract. <laughs> yeah. Second of all, I think that you know it's an a big part of Cade's appeal, which I think does not get enough attention, is his defense. Which is and I think like having a guy who can be like a really solid defensive player, both on the perimeter and near the rim. Uh, it's just like a big body would be would be awesome. Like he, he played, can defend threes and fours. Easy. He played he played center defensively for them, like a lot. When they because they had they only really had two. Matthew Alexander Moncrief did sometimes, but he fouls everybody. Uh, who's the other big? The other Kuma or he fouled yeah. everybody. Like all their bigs fouled all the time. The Boone twins either fouled everybody or were you know they're like 190 pounds. Like they're not. They're not really centers. So he played center defensively a lot. He's like 230. Um, yeah, Cade is defensively like as ready to go as any number one pick in recent memory, except Anthony Davis because he doesn't count. <laughs> uh, then let's move to the second pick. Bulls have the second pick. I have a clear choice on this one. I think that you're going to pick the same choice, but maybe it's a little interesting just given the Bulls' current roster construction. If you got the second yeah. pick, you take him, Brian. I'm taking Mobley still. I think Mobley is one of the best defensive prospects that's ever come along in the history of basketball. 
But. So I'm doing the uh, Let's Watch film with our mutual friend, P.D. Webb. We're doing Mobley on Wednesday. I feel super honored that he asked me to do it. I think that uh, he could have asked someone smarter, but I'm going to do my <laughs> best. And I watched a full game. I watched the Arizona game, and I took notes on it. I love Mobley. In that game, it was a little underwhelming. I felt like it showed some of his weaknesses as a player. I think he does have some pretty serious strength limitations. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think one thing I'm thinking lately is that sometimes the most obvious thing that could swing someone's draft status really is the thing that does it. Whereas like when you watch so much film, you get some Stockholm syndrome, you really start analyzing deep, deep, deep into the player's issues. But like Evan Mobley's is going to have to get stronger. Do you think he can play the four, Brian? Yes. Yes. I have almost no doubts about that. He's a good ball handler. Like not even for size, but he's a good ball handler, like on the broad spectrum of basketball players. What really stood out to me watching that game from his ball handling perspective is that he can go right or left mm-hmm. without any problem. Julius Randle can't do that. And he's second <laughs> team all NBA. The thing with Mobley's defense too, is it's the strength is an issue. But like, unlike say Jaron, and I hate to say this, he doesn't he doesn't over foul to compensate. Jaron fouls everybody. Like like Mobley does not foul. It's it's and like it's not even like in the college sense of like you know like Draymond didn't foul because he was like punch people in the kidney or whatever. <laughs> or like or Stephen Adams is a guy like that. Like Mobley does not make contact with people, but he still blocks their blocks their shots and still like forces misses. It's remarkable. So if the Bulls were to draft Mobley, get number two draft Mobley, does he slot in just like as the starting four right away? Like, wh- like just the fit with Vucevic? It is a little odd, but I still take him, yeah. Okay. I was, I was wondering, like, would that be a better situation where maybe you look to trade that for someone who would prefer the young big man and try to get some day, somebody more? Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I trade that pick for Shea, but I don't think they'd do that. I think so. Yeah, interesting. I would probably trade that pick for Shea for sure, but I love Mobley. Uh, you check out PD's stream if you want to hear us gush about Mobley probably I'm interested to see what PD is going to say but I think that he's a big Mobley guy he's absolutely uh worthy of taking number one overall in most drafts (laughs) like I would have taken him number one overall last year over LaMelo and I was really high on LaMelo I've been thinking about that I would say probably I could go back and forth but yeah I would I would I would say probably definitely over Anthony Edwards who was Uh, awesome who was awesome. Like, yeah, Anthony Edwards, for sure. And speaking of Anthony Edwards, I think Jalen Green's got a lot of Anthony Edwards comps. Maybe we're not going to get to him yet because we're going to talk about the third pick here. Third pick, really interesting. I think Jalen Green really impressed me in the G League. Jalen Green, kind of awesome. He's also uh, pretty duplicative of Zach Levine, just yes. in terms of skill set, in terms of body build. I think Jalen Green was getting hyped from the time he was like 15 years old as the next Kobe. Well, being the next Zach Levine doesn't sound as good. It might not be the same marketing ploy, but uh, if the team that drafts Jalen Green, if he ends up as good as Zach Levine, I think that they would be pretty happy with that outcome for the number three or number four overall pick. Absolutely. And then I think it's a, it's a toss-up between him and Suggs. Suggs, I think, is maybe not the player that people think he is in terms of like being a pure point guard. Yes, I love Suggs as a complimentary guard. And here's my first Galaxy Brain draft take. You know how last year, your boy, who you discovered, you found him somewhere (sighs) in the world, Tyrese Halliburton. I wasn't really super high on Halliburton because I thought, well, this guy just can't be a point. Can't be a lead engine, can't be a point guard. So I don't know about him. But Halliburton finds himself on the Kings. The Kings have that engine in Fox. 
And it turns out Halliburton is just a totally badass, complete all-around complimentary guard. And though their bodies are totally different, their athletic packages are totally different. Suggs kind of reminds me of that. Where well, I, you know, uh, I still don't know if this is 100% confirmed. I think they might be related. My only real evidence for this is that I've seen several times that Suggs, he's Terrell Suggs' cousin, but he's also right. I've seen more in more than one place, like I think Team USA site for the U19, which is like, that's pretty reliable. He's listed as Eddie Jones's cousin and Tyrese Halliburton is Eddie Jones's cousin also. So I think they may be distantly related. Cool. And they've kind of wired the same as like passers. They're always like going for cool kill shot passes. Um, yeah. Their bodies are like the exact opposite. <laughs> I, I just Googled this right now and I've seen, I see that they're close, that they're good friends. I'm not seeing related. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I know that they know each other, but I, and they came up to the same. And they're kind of from the same general area. I, I don't know if that's true. I just noticed that they were both listed as related to Eddie Jones, which feels like. <laughs> well, I'm covering the combine this weekend, and I'm going to go up to Jalen Suggs and ask him. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because I've I've seen that now for like two years, and every time I every time I notice it, I'm like, are they really? I don't. They might be distantly, but e- either way, they're they're pretty similar. So like, third pick, you taking Suggs? You I'm taking, taking Suggs. three? You're taking Suggs three for the Bulls? Yeah. I'm a little surprised you said that actually, but uh, what I have him. I have him three, so I should. Okay. It, What's your it, thought process there? Uh, knowing the Bulls, the thing they need more than anything is someone who makes good decisions with the basketball in their hands. Who isn't Zach Levine? Who doesn't always make good decisions, but can be trusted? I think at this point to be make decent decisions, and that's what sucks. Is that's his best attribute. That and he try he plays like he's. If he plays like if he doesn't run 400 miles an hour, he will explode, which is always fun. You always like those players. He's the speed of of draft prospects. Yeah. For sure. Um, and the defense is good. Like, yeah, I think he would immediately, unless they're going to play Dotson. Like, they need attack. They need an attacking guard. I don't think Dotson will be on the team next year because I'd imagine he's not happy about not being played for no reason, no discernible reason. Um, gotta get Ryan Archie back in those minutes. <laughs> No, no disrespect, Arch. Get him <laughs> out of here, man. I'm, there's no reason. Like we know what he is. He's fine. Exactly. He's he's a a worse Howell Neto. Like that. I don't have any. I have no room for that in my life. Um, Arch will be fine. He has nice hair. He does. <laughs> great celebration. Yeah. Great bench celebrations too. I think the reason I would go, I would go, I, I would be, in, I would entertain. Honestly, that the real move might be the team that has four, getting them to trade up. Get, getting something and just taking Suggs at four anyway. For them to take Green, but what if they take Suggs? I feel like that is the toughest call in this draft: Suggs versus Green. I I feel like you don't trade up for Suggs though. It's like he's awesome. I like him a lot, but like yeah, as you said, he's not he's not a very good dribbler, and that can get that can can improve. Like Lillard got better at that, but I. He's also not a good, not a very good shooter. Is the, is the, is yeah, the his shooting is really bizarre because. When he gets hot, he looks like a fucking killer. And his percentage was really high early in the year. Yeah. But then some of his misses are like wild misses. Like if you ever play pickup with a guy and, yep. you know, they take a shot and they just like hit the corner of the backboard somehow on a three and you're like, well, I'm not guarding that guy again. He'll like miss some shots that are like way, way, way off. He'll miss by like two feet. Like I, Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> I, I I personally think it's a, balance issue like he's planning off different feet 
or he's just like going up too fast. Like he's just getting up to, to, to the top of his jump quicker than he expects. It's just kind of like, ah, flings it. I really don't like, I, it should be fixable because his shot looks fine. There's nothing wrong with his shot. That's why it, it's, it's the, it's Tony Snell syndrome. where like, sometimes he just, when it goes in, I mean, it's different. Like there's a, there's a guy in this draft who has the Tony Snell jump shot, Zaire Williams. When it goes in, you're like, how does this guy ever miss a shot? And when it misses, you're like, how does this guy ever hit a shot? <laughs> God, this guy sucks. But uh, the Tony Snell thing has always been, always been fascinating to me because it's like a weird his, percent- his percentages are awesome, but like he's not a reliable shooter. It's really bizarre. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um, anyway, nice Fourth Tony pick. Snell. Nice this is where it gets interesting. Green on the board in this scenario, let's say. Green and Levine, very similar skill sets, both very skinny, both somewhat spotty decision makers. Both could charitably be described as a bucket, a walking bucket. <laughs> Part of me thinks maybe that would just be sick. Like, let let Vucevic play point guard, have those two <laughs> mega freak athletes who can score from all three levels just run around. Who gives a shit about defense anyway? We just saw Rudy Gobert get his ass exposed. We just saw Simmons get his ass exposed. Defense is for role players, and we got superstars in Jalen Green. Buckets. We got two next Kobe's. How can you beat it? Devin Booker's the next Kobe, bro. Uh, I see on your big board, though, Brian, you got Springer five. You got Moody six. Mm-hmm. You got Sharif seven. So you got some options here. And uh, I see where you got my guy here. And I've been saving this take for a couple weeks. But... I would consider Scotty Barnes for the Bulls at number four as well. I think he'd be a really good fit next to Levine and Vooch. Yeah. That he would be able to give you a lot of the play. He had a 32% assist rate. Yeah. We don't talk enough about that. It's weird. It's weird that I I have Scotty kind of low. And I, I, it's really only because I don't like taking him like, Anyone who's not the Warriors in the top six or seven, I just don't trust them to use him properly. The other thing is, I think Scotty is kind of has to be a big in the NBA because, like, yeah, he's he's not. It's weird because he is a good athlete. Like, he's probably going to test pretty well, and he has weird measurables, but he like can't jump. Like, like his biggest shortcoming as a player, everyone is going to say is a shot. If he could jump. I would have so much more faith yeah. in him as a small ball five option 
as like not being able to jump is a huge hindrance. Yeah. Like Vucevic has been able to overcome it. Vucevic is Vucevic is extremely gravity bound. He cannot beat Earth's gravitational force. Yeah, yeah. the vast majority of the time. Scotty very similar. The weird thing is, think about taking Scotty four over Jalen Green. I would think about it. I would I probably. Tra- I, would, I would. I would trade back if they're going to do that. Yeah. I would. I would. I mean, me personally, and I, and hey, it's not my job. I'm not going to get fired. I would figure out uh, who wants Sharif, and I would trade back to the pick right before them, and I would take Sharif. <laughs> Fuck it. That's yeah. what we need. Sharif rules. I'm high on Sharif too. You are. I'm going to say you're the preeminent Sharif. I am the guy. Sharif guy. I I defy anyone to be more of the Sharif guy than I am. He is one of my favorite players I have ever watched play basketball, despite his huge and obvious flaws that made in fact. I was say, I'm, his kind I don't. Of career. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know much about him. I'm looking at your uh, scouting report here, and this three point percentage looks atrocious. He said you need his shot is almost. It's the textbook I've never had to shoot before shot. Like it's awful. It's so it's so bad that like it's honestly I have I have like his form is so weird that I actually have some confidence that whatever NBA team he goes to is just gonna completely redo it and he'll end up being like a 31%, 32% shooter and be like fine. Um, he's a good foul shooter, is the thing. Yeah, I, I I did notice that. So that's always that like a nice sign at least. I just scarred by Chris Dunn. Uh was just how this is very different, very, very different. Totally, guys. totally yeah. different to Chris Dunn. Yeah. The, but, the thing okay, the thing with Sharif that's really fascinating is despite that and despite not coming into the NCAA until midway through the season and jumping right into the SEC, he still got into the paint on literally every possession. He like led the country matter. assist rate. 52% assist yeah. rate. 8.8 8 assist per game. game is fucking great. He, he's, the, he's the second player since 2008 to have a season of 50 assist percentage and 50 free throw rate. The other one is John Morant. And like, yeah. he's not that kind yeah. of athlete. But Sharif is the maybe the most technically skilled passer I've ever seen play. Like it, since like Magic. Like I'm not even maybe maybe the Melo's up there and maybe Halliburton's up there. But like the technique he has on on his passes is absurd. It's way beyond anything Lonzo Ball was ever doing in college. It's like his ability to manipulate the, the basketball with either hand. It's it's it's, it's insane. It's like it's it's such a power. It's such a, a, a an advantage that it's like off the chart. And that and his dribbling and like his just general, he's cool. That's the other thing about Sharif. <laughs> he's just fucking, he's cool to watch play basketball. If anyone can overcome the height, like, you know, there's a cliff after once you get under 6'3, you got to have elite skills to make in the NBA. But like, if there's anyone aside from Isaiah Thomas in the last 15 years who could do it, it's him. He's not Tyler Ulis. Like, he's a. A, he's like three, two and a half, three inches taller than Tyler Ulis. Uh, Tyler Ulis is tiny, but yeah, I I would be. It's why I wouldn't take Sharif at four or five because I think if he busts, you're you're done. But like the Bulls, especially if they can get in, if he gets into like the teens, and some team wants Lowry and they're just not, I would I would pull the trigger so fast because if he hits, he is your star guard. He's Chris Paul basically. He's your Chris Paul. Do he's not going to be as good defensively, but you know. You got to think that uh, this Trey run in the postseason, mm-hmm. I think he's got a lot of similarities to yes. Trey. I mean, the obvious difference is that Trey, for all of his next Steph Curry compliments, Trey is a good shooter. Trey is not a historically good shooter, yeah. but he is a good enough shooter where you definitely have to respect the fuck out of his jumper, which opens sort of opens up the rest of his game. Trey also masterful on the floater. Cooper 
I haven't really seen too much. He floater. hasn't had to use it is a thing. Yeah. There, there are a few times. The other thing with him with the floater range, he'll get to floater range like on the pick and roll and he'll kind of go up like he's going to do it. And then the, the, the big will kind of head over to him and he'll just like fire this like side hand bounce pass right to the big for a dunk. Or he'll do the thing that I've only literally ever seen him do, which is he throws a lot of passes into the interior. He throws them up towards the rim. So the guy who catches it doesn't have to load up and score again. And like he, he only does that for some guys. He didn't do it for JT Thor or like Devin Cambridge or like these super athletes. He did it for the big floor bound guys he has on his team because he knows that they're, if they take a second to like put the ball down, he, he's going to, they might lose it. It's a remarkable, like the only way to describe Sharif is that he has a button on his hand that it just says make offense, do, do offense good. And he just hits it every, whenever he wants. And he just creates, he creates scoring opportunities for people out of literally nothing. I've never seen. In well, this is the fourth draft I've been doing this like seriously. No one's even close. Trey is probably the closest. And even then, Trey, because of his shooting selection, sometimes misses those. Sharif is I guess you can get tunnel vision on occasion, but that happens with all guards. All guards can get tunnel vision. That's not a thing you really worry about. And if you're worried about his scoring, he proved during his short time in the NCAA that he has learned the dark art of drawing fouls. Against Mizzou this year, he went 18 of 21 from the foul line. They put in a uh, like a big, huge, I think Jordan Wilmore is his name. They put in like a huge guy to try and deter him from the rim. And all Sharif did was just like, you know, Chris Paul was hunting Michael Porter. Dude. He just did that for like five possessions. And they immediately took him out. It was embarrassing. And this was like his fifth or sixth game. Let me look up because his first college game that he ever played was against Alabama, the best team in the SEC. And he went nuts. He was insane. Like they couldn't stop him. He's a remarkable basketball player. He could end up not being, I mean, I think worst case, he's going to be a backup point guard for a long time, but like, yeah, eight for 19. He had 26 points, nine rebounds, three steals, or 26 points, nine assists, four, four rebounds, three steals, five turnovers in 32 minutes against a top five team in the country in his first ever college game. Like he just was, it's different. And then defensively, so I think that, you know, it deserves to be a worry, obviously. When Trey was in the draft, one thing everyone was constantly saying about Trey was, well, in the playoffs, when the game slows down, people are going to find him, target him, smoke him. Well, guess what? Trey Evans led his team to two straight series victories, and no one could fucking take advantage of him. Now, I assume he's going to be guarding P.J. Tucker, right? Probably in the Milwaukee series. I don't know. But it's sort of hard to have a team that has enough guys with dribble pass shoot skill sets who can punish you. So one thing I was going to ask you is if the Bulls did keep that eighth pick, if they didn't trade it for Vooch, let's say that Vooch is still on the team, but they just traded future shit. Yeah, yeah. And they had the eighth pick. Uh, Now I assume you would want Sharif. Yeah, maybe Springer I look at, but. Yeah, I, I, they have such a need for uh, a point guard. Like people say, you need at point guard, but they they have they have a guard they can rely on. They don't have a point guard. Like that's not Kobe. We know that. It's not Zach. I mean, Zach Zach is probably the best side on the team. Well, Thaddeus fucking Thaddeus Young. Uh, yeah, it's not like I'm sure you would see a lot of Davion Mitchell. I'm good. But Davion's awesome. I, I, I have nothing like I, I have respect for him. He plays hard. He's a good basketball player. Like he's fast. The shot is okay. 
Um, I'm going to say this to scare off Bulls fans from him, even though there's no way he ends up on the team. Do you know who the last guy I can remember who went from like a 30%, 32% three-point shooter as a junior to like a 40% as a senior was? It was Chandler Hutchinson. Didn't work out. <laughs> you, oh, you cannot bank on a 21, 22-year-old suddenly becoming an elite three-point shooter. It doesn't happen. He did have high volume. I don't know. Yeah, like I, I think he's a good three-point shooter. Like I think he'll he'll hit open threes, but people are acting like he's going to be like people think he's not of a Mitchell. That's what it is. Right. And similar to Mitchell, he's fucking small. He's yeah. like the smallest yeah. and the oldest player. And I like he might be smaller than Sharif. He's obviously more of a power athlete, but uh, I guess Sharif is pr- probably plays smaller. I and, would say Davion's a little bigger. They did play each other. I would say he's a little bigger, but uh, Sharif, Sharif made him look like an absolute fucking fool in the first possession they played against each other this year. Yeah. Yeah, he just like came down the center of the court and Davion tried to step up and he just did like a Blake Griffin spin right around and then threw it offhand lob in the same motion. Davion just stood there like, what? Then they 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 kind of kicked Shreve's ass the rest of that game, but that's <laughs> Baylor again. That's bam, bam. One like everyone's ass. <laughs> one one guy, one college basketball player got the better of them all year. So, so I've already said that uh, you know Barnes would be, I think, a great pick for the Bulls if they could somehow get him. I would consider him at four. The other guy who I would kind of like on the Bulls, and he's very much a hot button issue guy within the draft community. Oh, I think is Jalen Johnson. And similarly, uh, the more I watch Jalen Johnson, the more I look at Jalen Johnson, I'm like, is this guy's defense way underrated? Like, I think Jalen Johnson could be pretty sick defensively. Yeah, the flexibility worries me. Like, he can't really. He kind of has Lonzo Ball like the action figure legs sometimes. Like, he doesn't turn okay. and like push offense. Maybe he's just not playing that hard because he has motor issues too. But like, if they, yeah, if they had eight, or even if they, let's say they trade Lowry for. 16 or something. I would take, 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 yeah, can I call that in? Yeah. Right now? Take, take a big swing on Jalen. I trade Lowry for 29 or something. I would do that too. <laughs> it's funny that I did like I did that last year. You were on this last draft, year. And I had I had them taking Devon Dotson and people were like terrible value. <laughs> I was like, I would do that shit immediately. Are you kidding me? Lowry sucks. And everyone's like, no, it's too early. You have to give him a chance. And it's like, nah, man. No, you were right on that, dude. When you said that, I remember thinking, nah, I wouldn't do that. You can't trade him for a late first rounder. Who cares about a late first rounder? One year later, I would absolutely trade Lowry for a pick in the late 20s. I'll so. fucking take anything from him at this point. Jesus. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah man, Jalen, I guess the, the, the upside play for Jalen Johnson, this is kind of kind of uh, wrapping back around, is it kind of a Ben Simmonsy player, like, Right. He's huge. He's legitimately a good passer. He runs the break well. He's b- just big. Like, he gets a lot of rebounds. He just looks different playing out there. Uh, and like Ben Simmons, there are, char- there are quote-unquote character concerns, which for me just means that he smokes a lot. <laughs> but he also just, like, I don't know. I don't put much stock in him quitting on that Duke team because that Duke team sucks. It was a bad team. Like, he was not having average. fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, uh, yeah, I don't know. He also was, he was dealing with like foot stuff all year. Like he kept he kept getting hurt in his lower body. Like, well, why is he going to come there and play thirty five minutes a game for a team that's going to like make the NIT? Like, who gives a shit? But yeah, I was going to mention the Simmons comp with him too. It's obvious. And, it's obvious. In you know the bigger question than like you know the the character concerns or whatever to me is just like how does he fit into a half court offense? Because mm-hmm. I don't really know, and I do think that you're right about just like. uh 
you know, the lack of flexibility or however you want to call it, because it seems like, you know, he's a good athlete. He has good vertical pop, but he doesn't really play like a power athlete. The way Simmons very much does play like a power athlete. I'm going to start calling that James Wiseman disease. Cause it's, if you put Wiseman and this happened a lot, this happened a few times in Memphis. If he put him at half court and let him run in the straight line, he's terrifying. Like he's, he looks like the greatest athlete that's ever played basketball. Ask him to like navigate around a screen. He falls over and looks like an idiot. Like it's, it's not even like, it's just way people's hips and then knees work. And Wiseman could probably improve at that stuff. You can get better at that stuff. That's not a, that's kind of a misnomer. Like you can improve your flexibility in your hips and your, your ankles and your knees with pretty basic routine workout routines. And most NBA teams will do that, but it is, you, you are starting from like the tool. And this is the thing my Gribbenov always talks about, like, Tools are important with big men. And Jalen is kind of a three, four, five hybrid kind of guy, kind of like kind of like Scotty. Um, but he will be playing, he would be playing in the front court a lot, like in the NBA. And like he has good tools. So that's good for him. But like it's one of the reasons I'm not a big Opera and Schengen guy, because like he just doesn't have tools. Um, it's important. Like you need you need to have it. Cause how many, how many big men like Brooke Lopez is gonna get? I love Brooke. He's going to have some bad times against Trey Young in this next series. Yeah, and Brooke also you have to play drop with him. in a sense that he's fucking huge. Yeah, he's a giant in the set in a way that yeah. you know, uh, Sengun isn't. So yeah, yeah. I want to talk about thirty-eight because the sure. Bulls do have thirty-eight for sure. I feel unless like they say sell it unless they sell, sell it for it. cash considerations. Maybe. <laughs> well. Uh, I feel like there's no better guest to have on to ask about who the Bulls should take with the number 38 overall pick in the NBA draft than Brian. Mm-hmm. So I got some takes on who I would like them to draft. But, uh, you know, is there is there one guy you would favor with that pick? And then you could rattle off a couple other names. J.T. Thor. Okay. If he makes yeah. it there, immediately take J.T. Thor. There's no, there's no doubt in my mind about that. Give us the sales pitch on Thor. Uh, remember what we thought Thon Maker was? That's probably what he is. He's just a ridiculous athlete and, and like a mover, like a flexible, like he does Euro steps, all this crazy shit as a 6'10", 18 year old. Um, he shot 29% from three, but if you watch any Auburn game, he was taking like step backs, going around screens. He had, when Sharif was playing, he shot, he shot, I think 34 and a half percent from three. And when Sharif didn't play, he shot like 22% because he couldn't get good looks. Um, but like, yeah, he's the kind of guy like six, six, nine, six, ten shooter, athlete, dunker, Christian Wood type is like you swing on that. I think anyone after any, anyone outside the lottery should be prioritizing that guy because if he's if he works out, you get incredible value. Is he um, definitely in? Yeah, no, he's in. He's fully in. Okay. Yeah, I don't think it's been official yet, but I can I can say that he's getting good feedback from the NBA because he's a six foot ten guy who shoots step back threes. <laughs> Um, and he's, he just turned, I think he just turned 19 or he's about to turn 19. So like, yeah, you go for that guy. Um, he may not even end up being good, but you always take that swing. If you're not a good team, like if you're like the nuggets or, you know, someone who just needs like a couple wings, then you take like the Desmond Dane, Chris, Chris Duarte kind of guy who can just come in and immediately play. But if you're not a contender, like you got to keep swinging. You can never have enough stars. Kai Jones is kind of like that too, but Kai Jones is not going to be at 38. So, uh, one guy I was going to name was Rocco. Yeah, there's no, I, he's not making it there. No, I'd be amazed if he did. 
but yeah, he's awesome. Uh, and then the name I was going to say for my 38th pick, and it's not as enticing as JT Thor, a little more one dimensional, but I think this guy's going to be a pretty good player is Kessler Edwards. Oh I yeah. Would, he won't make it. I'd be amazed if he made it there. He'd be the guy I would want at 38. Yeah. Wing shooter out of Pepperdine. Long, good defensive prospect. Uh, has a funky release on his mm-hmm. jumper, but the numbers back up the fact that he's got sick touch out to about 24 feet, 25 feet. And it's off the dribble. So for like the form is not that as important. Like he can shoot off the dribble. So it's not as big a concern to me. Uh, other guys, would you take? I mean, I know you got him high. I would like this pick too if they could get him. Uh, at 38, give us the sales pitch on Bones Highland out uh, of ECU. The shooting, <laughs> just like way outlier shooting. He took almost 14 threes per 100 possessions, shot 37 ish percent on him, 80 high 80s foul shooter, and he's, he's shooting 37 percent on like. Unlike Steph Curry college shots, do you remember? Do you remember Steph Curry college shots? He's this guy is hitting like he's the most streetball player in this draft. Some people might say Cam Thomas. Cam Thomas is kind of a foul hunter. Um, Cam Thomas plays like like a boring Ben Gordon to me, which is you know. <laughs> that's probably the role. Like Cam Thomas could be a dark horse rookie of the year candidate if he goes to a team that needs bench scoring. Like he can score. It's all he does, but he can score. But Bones. Bones strings together like these wild six, seven, eight dribble step back moves. Like Bones is a insane nuclear shooter. There's a video of him when he was like 15. I want to say 15 or 16 in uh, Wilmington. He was, uh, it's called, it's called uh, Bones Highland destroys Philly trash talkers. And it's just two guys who were talking shit and they're playing on a double rim. And he hits like eight straight, like 30 foot threes. And it's like, this is like a 16 year old. He's insane. Um, And he's like, pretty good at like okay at defense i think i think he, i think he's like a skinny six three guard yeah i th- i mean his name is his he goes by bones, bones. <laughs> um and it's not like a you know ironic nickname i think i think he will almost certainly be like seth curry in the nba at least but like he's gotten a lot better he's not a the weird thing is he's not a he just doesn't pass like he's not a very good passer but he's become more of a dribble off the dribble like rim attack guy I think I think Bones will be just gonna be awesome. I'm a big Bones. I'm a, I'm a Bones believer. He's also just got like a great story. He's just an interesting person. He's had a lot of he stuff. Jumped out him. of a burning building and like sustained okay. major leg injuries, <laughs> a patellar injury, oh, huh. which is why he went to VCU because he didn't. He basically didn't play till there was like it was like March or April of the year he graduated. So he got like very very late interest, like high major interest. I think Michigan was like kind of interested in him. And then VCU just were like, Hey, do you want to come here and play a lot? And he was like, yeah, sure. I'm I'm a huge bones guy. I love, love. I got three other second round names for you. I want you to give me some quick takes on each of them. And if you would like them at 38, or if you think, Hey, you could probably do a little better. Uh, Josh Primo. You could probably do a little better. I think Josh Primo is a really good, like one thing that I've been like, 38, I guess is fine. Go ahead. He's just a good athlete. So I like his athletic tools. Like if you in, I'm a big moody guy. I Mm would have wanted moody if the bulls were eight, but like Mm -hmm. when they played against when, you know, it's just like Primo's just so much better of an athlete. I would take moody because he's got length and shooting and pedigree and all these things, but moody's pretty limited athletically just in terms of pop. Yeah. Yeah. Primo can blow by you. 
I just don't trust his like, like him putting his skill set together. I guess the the real the real. Uh, he's not big. He's not too big either. Yeah, big. the real um the real selling point for a guy like that is he's extremely young. So thirty eight. I guess thirty eight is fine. I guess if if like a Jared Butler type was still around, I would go with him though. I like Jared Butler way more than that. I got yeah. J- Jared Butler at twenty in my mock draft. I'm, I'm in the low twenties for him too. He's a better, he's a better basketball player than Davion Mitchell. <laughs> yeah, this is proven by two years of them playing together and Jared Butler being the best player on the team. Another guy at thirty-eight, I would consider Isaiah Livers. Sure, maybe a little high for him, but I, I'm a big Livers guy. He at one point. Uh, before he like started getting hurt this year, he was a like 57, 45, 97 guy. Like he was, he's an amazing free throw shooter for a six, seven guy, but he, he pretty much just is like six, seven, two thirty five. play defense, shoot threes, get some rebounds like that. He's, he's very, very simple player, but he has a very obvious NBA role. So yeah, sure. Go for Isaiah. And last guy, I just found this. I was big on this guy is you know, a couple of years back and kind of forgot about him. Felt more and more impressed by him as this college season went on. Aaron Henry out of Michigan. Yeah. That's probably who I would go with. Give us, you know, what. So I like Henry because I think he's got some creation upside yes. a little bit. He kind of had to. He was forced into it by Michigan, by Rocket Watts not being very good. It's really yeah. what happened. Um, yeah. Aaron Henry's an excellent perimeter defender. Can shoot a little, can create a little off the dribble. Just kind of does a lot of stuff. He's just a good player. Trust him defensively. Not huge, but he's like 6'6", 210 probably at least. So, yeah. Yeah, especially if any of the guards I'd be into. Like, um, I'm a big David Johnson guy despite him having a bad year. Love David Johnson. I think he just got kind of – they had Carly Jones, and Carly Jones is like the number one usage guy in college basketball. So, I just think he kind of know what he was doing. Deuce McBride, if he makes it there, I'm into Deuce is like a, it's a Javon Carter kind of guy. He's small, but yeah, he's feisty. Small but, but he, feisty. And he can yeah, shoot. He can he can shoot. He, yeah, he could. He's a pull-up shooter. Like I said, Butler, maybe Dacian Nix. You look at if, if if there's no guards, if there's no one you think that could be a starting point guard, there's you know there's not that many of those guys. Yeah, Aaron Henry or Herb Jones, even like any kind of wing defender, please. <laughs> Unless they're gonna, unless they're gonna play Troy Brown a lot, they need more. They need more anyway. Yeah. And uh, you know, we've been talking about. I guess this is the last thing I got, and then Jason, you can follow this up however you want to. But uh, you know, Jason and I have just been sort of doing our bullshit on this podcast about what the Bulls <laughs> do in the offseason, who they should add. What we're armchair GMing here. So you know, what what do you think would be some good moves for the Bulls realistically? And sort of, I guess, what is sort of your mindset? Uh, you know, after, you know, post Vucevic trade, seeing a little bit of what they have with the team, uh, where are you at right now? What do you think they should be focusing on? What do you think the next move is? Do you think they should go all out after the third star? Do you think they should do something else? Where's your mind right now with the Bulls? Awesome. I think, I think the lot, I don't think the Lonzo stuff is going to happen. I honestly, the biggest name I could really realistically see them going for, unless they, some weird shit happens where they can get Kyle Lowry is, is Brogdon. I, I think I would, I would, I'd be willing to part with a good amount for Brogdon. I think he would help them a lot, but He's I also, oh. yeah. And I also think that, but I really do think they kind of need to see what Patrick is like, um, see what they look like. You can, you can wait to make that kind of trade until 
in season next year. Like in season trades are more prevalent than they used to be. I feel like. Yeah, we've talked about Brogdon a good amount, and I mean, he's an obvious fit, fit. The fit yeah. makes perfect sense. Obviously, the injury stuff has been a thing with them, but the fit is great. Uh, we talked about him. They, we, we talked about getting him whatever a couple of years ago when he left the Bucks. It would have been a great fit then too. So definitely, it was the Pacers. Like, who the fuck knows what they're gonna do? Like, yeah, they're with their roster this year. I mean, they just fired their coach after one disastrous season. Like, I feel like they're probably gonna split up Turner and Sabonis, and it's probably Turner that's gonna go. Uh, I got TJ Warren coming back from injury. We'll see what they do with Brogdon. Like, I, I do wonder if that is a thing where if they they'll probably trade Turner, they'll see how it goes. They have what Lavert now, too, right? They kind of see how that plays out, and then maybe they look to blow it up if things just go south next season. Like, and maybe Brogdon would be available. It's, I feel like I'd be surprised if they traded him this offseason, but maybe mm-hmm. an in season move like that could mix. His sense. value could go way down 12 months from now if that injury doesn't look better. So it might be in their best interest to trade him this offseason. Uh, maybe, yeah. That a quad tear is, I think, what he had. That shit's scary. Wait, Brogdon did? Yeah. Did, isn't that what he had? Uh, that's, what had that's what Oladipo had. I don't think he had a tear. I think he said injuries. Yeah, he just, he's just always got nagging stuff going on. Oh, I oh, thought he was... Oh, oh, so he had a torn left rectus femoris. What is that? I have no idea. I think I totally missed that injury. Is that the his season end because of that? I, yeah, it's a quad. It's oh, yeah, it's one of the four quadricep muscles in the human body. Yeah, he had a quad tear. Oh, I totally. I think I totally fucking missed that. Yeah. <laughs> when, did, when did that happen? Uh, it nice. happened. I think maybe not this year. Maybe before. I was gonna say. I feel like he was. He was just like hurting throughout a bunch of the season. And then he like I was I thought he played in the uh what was they were in the what the playing they want they played two playing games I think right yeah let's see that I'm seeing this injury right now that you're talking about data some hamstring issues this season uh Brogdon hamstring soreness was it looks like okay he looks like he might have played I don't know when this injury was but he either way he definitely is always have injury issues but it, I mean it, the fit would be really would be really nice with them um. So yeah, that would be interesting. I'm trying to like, have there even been any other Bulls rumors out there? I feel like since we talked last, like it's there really hasn't been much out there. It was like the Lonzo stuff with like, Brian brought up Lonzo. Like there's there's definitely going to be competition for Lonzo. Like we'll see if the, the Knicks go hard after him. Uh, and the Pelicans about I don't, like I don't even know what the Pelicans are going to do. It's the Pelicans they need a new coach. Uh, we got this weird Zion rumors already. So like I don't know what's going on. What's going on with there? Like, so I'm I'm curious to see, like what they're gonna do with that roster. Like, uh, do you think they should keep? Do you think uh, Zion and Ingram is like viable as like those two guys together? It's a good question. Right. I think hypothetically it should work, but Ingram doesn't really scale down well. And maybe it's somewhat similar to what we're seeing with PG right now, where it's just like PG. I think feels a little more comfortable as yeah. the guy as opposed to the second banana, but that's weird, right? Because having playing with other good players should make your life easier. And Ingram should get a lot of opportunities playing off Zion, but I don't have the numbers in front of me. I believe Ingram's shooting fell off a little bit this year. And Ingram definitely had like, he seemed ascendant last year and this year very much fell back down to earth. Just, stag- just kind of stagnated, stagnated, you know, not a good year, got a little worse. So yeah, it's a big question, but I think Zion likes Ingram and Zion likes Lonzo and their bigger problems are like 
that stupid Adam's Adam extension. Deal. Yeah, and then obviously Bledsoe's fucking trash. And Bledsoe. And maybe they shouldn't have traded Drew. I mean, they got a lot for him. They could, I mean, they can yeah, they, now Zion wants to leave. So. Yeah, true. Uh, I mean, maybe they use those assets to try to bring in somebody else better. Like, who? I have no idea. They could, I, with Adams, I don't know why they did that. That Adams, it was just so unnecessary. Like, whatever, you make the, you get Adams in the trade, but like, why do you then turn around and give him that money? Like, I don't, I don't really get that at all. Um, but yeah. Who so knows? before we wrap this up, I want to get this from everyone on the record. Totally open final four right now in the NBA. We're going to start with Jason, then Brian can go. Give me your finals matchup pick and your champion with games. Oh, man. I think I said in the last podcast that I'm rolling with my sons. I guess I'll roll with my Bucks too. Those are like my two uh, fake teams, I guess, aside from the Bulls, uh, the Bucks and Suns. Uh, I, but I can't trust the Bucks. And I said this last time. I, I, even though like the Nets were down Kyrie and were down Harden, or basically down Harden, he was a shell of himself. I still thought the Nets were going to win that game seven, and they almost fucking did. They were an in Kevin Durant's front shoe away from winning that game. Uh, so like I, the Bucks should beat the Hawks just because they are way better, and like Giannis should be able to steamroll through them. But uh, the Suns are just kicking ass right now. And like Booker, I mean, just an absolute clinic in game one against the Clippers. Uh, who knows when Kawhi's going to be back? We'll see when Chris Paul, if he's going to be back at all. We'll see about Chris Paul. It sounds like Chris Paul's doing okay. So, like, I'll roll with the Suns over the Clippers because I've just been rolling with them all playoffs. So I'm thinking Suns, Bucks. Uh, and I'm just going to roll with, roll with the Suns. It'd be a lot of fun for them to win, even though I feel like the Bucks should win. I just like, can't trust them. What are you thinking, Brian? Final four, finals pick, and then title winner. Uh, Suns, Bucks, also, and that's Suns and six. Uh, the coaching matchup there is like, yeah, but is unbelievably one sided. Yeah, <laughs> like that's an amazing, that's, that's like huge gap. If if the Bucks could like somehow break the CBA and fly Rick Carlisle in, like like have him drop from the ceiling, like Sting, then maybe you get something. But yeah, I, I would say Suns, Bucks. Unless Kawhi comes back miraculously, I just don't think the Clippers have enough. Like, I, I won't. I want to say Reggie Jackson can't keep shooting like this, but maybe he will. <laughs> well, unbelievable! Reggie awesome. Every Dude, game. I'm was, just like, by the way, I'm going to wow. say this now. I, I like Reggie Jackson. I've liked him for a long time. Um, I'm one of the reasons the Vooch trade I think is good, even if they don't. You know, is um they're probably not going to give Reggie Jackson like the five years, hundred million he might be getting now. <laughs> Actually, like we've been talking about point guards, like we have not really talked to Reggie Jackson. I keep getting reminded that he's, I believe, going to be a free agent, and like mm-hmm. he's definitely some team is definitely going to overpay for him. Like he's in the like, Knicks. like a, yeah, he's in like a pretty nice spot for himself right now. He's just hitting ridiculous shots like all the time. It's like he could he's shoot. already a bad contract on his next contract. But what is truly remarkable about his performance beyond the shooting is the dribble penetration. No one can fucking stop it. And I get that Utah's perimeter defenders were both hurt you know throughout that series but like he was in Mitchell maybe just doesn't care about defense anymore I used to he be was high hurt. on he was defensive hurt. projection obviously Mitchell was hurt Mitchell also averaged like 32 points in that series yeah. like yeah. Mitchell was awesome in that series uh but fuck dude Reggie Jackson was just <laughs> the man going Reggie to Jackson Terrence man so I'm gonna say the Bucks are gonna win the title all right okay. yeah I mean 
I just can't trust them. They should. They really, honestly, out of these teams, they should. They are. They are the favorites according to odds. And like, I mean, they have Giannis, Middleton, and Drew, and like Brook Lopez, whatever. And I mean, they just Bud. You can't trust Bud. I feel like you just can't trust this Bucks team to win it all. But they, they certainly could. And they probably should. Just the Suns have been kicking so much ass. So like, as long as CP3 comes back and they stay healthy, like their starting lineup yeah, is fucking awesome. Open. Campaign has been unbelievable. He's he started the game yeah, one slow, so starting uh, in place of Chris Paul, and then he like. Dude is just like I can't believe how good he is. Like he obviously still has his moments where he does dumb shit, but like I did Cam, not see campaign ever becoming this. After Cam his- and Dinbadirbol are going to make a combined like twenty to twenty to thirty million next year, and I hate it so much. <laughs> and we're still stuck with our Diakono and Devon Dotson will go somewhere and be like right. a really good backup point guard. Absolutely nuts. Um, All right, well, I'm done here. I, I had my one last question, Ricky. We talked about this beforehand. I got back to the draft. I got to ask about my Illinois guys. Iodasumu, Kofi Coburn, uh, I like Georgie. Oh, what? <laughs> what about Georgie? Oh God, <laughs> Georgie, my guy. Uh, Io obviously a bit higher. I think for most people, I'm I, obviously I'm not a big draft I mean, guy, but the, the the production was the product. Like you can't yeah. fake that. Like he he was a very good college basketball player. I just think it's it's big fish, small pond stuff. I think it's he kind of has to be. I mean, I guess he's big enough to be like a two, three kind of like, but like it is being like Damian Dotson really the outcome you want for that kind of guy. He will be drafted, and I yeah. actually wouldn't be that surprised if he's taken in the late twenties and becomes has a decent career. Like I was a good basketball player. He just the level of commitment you have to give to a guy like that to give him the ball pretty much all the time. If you're doing that, you're you're a bad team. Like he's probably worse than like if he was on the Thunder, I would rather give the ball to Ty Jerome because Ty Jerome's gonna make passes. I don't know. Io it's 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 unfortunate because like Io is cool. He's an excellent college basketball player. He will be a good, like he will have a long career as a pro. Like he's a good basketball player, but I'm just kind of out. Like the role he has to fulfill. It's the same thing. It's like, why why are you drafting a backup center when you just go sign like a Kem Birch? It's like, I, I'm not drafting a third guard who doesn't shoot that well and kind of is like a ball-dominant guy. But he is a good enough athlete that maybe he can kind of change his game around. But So I've been thinking this for months, and I don't know if I ever tweeted it or put it, in the, put it out there, and now everyone's going to think that I'm talking bullshit. <laughs> but the guy who he... Re- I have been galaxy braining this. Like, what if Io could be Terrence Mann? They're both the same size. Pretty much. Io obviously was an on-ball player his entire career. And I totally agree with Brian's analysis that Io, his issue is that he doesn't seem to scale well as a role player. Yes. Right? Like he's always been the guy with the ball his whole life. Well, he's not going to be good enough to be the guy with the ball in the NBA. Otherwise, he would have left after his freshman year. Stayed three years, but man was a second round pick. They're the same size. Man also couldn't shoot until his final year in college. And then he hit like 39% on low volume. So I want to see IO. I think he can defend multiple positions. I think IO's really improved his frame. I think that IO from an NBA team's perspective, let's call him low maintenance. I think he'll be yeah. in the gym early. He's going to hit the weight room. He's going to be a good culture guy. Everyone's going to like him. I interviewed him for a big feature around March Madness. And he was a great interview. So maybe I'm a little biased now, which is. <laughs> I mean, but I've I, never heard anything negative about him as a person. He's got a lot of similar attributes, maybe physically, maybe to man. 
And, you know, the real thing with Io is that if he's going to make it in the league, he's going to have to make it on the defensive end, I think. And his defense was not particularly impressive. Granted, he was carrying a large burden offensively. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I've had this Terrence Mann thought in my head for literally two months. I, I don't, I don't, I don't hate that. Terrence Mann was a was at least a part time point guard in college because he played at Florida State and they don't believe in point guards <laughs> there. I, I'm there's a, there's a part of me that wonders. This is very off topic, but Caleb Mills transferred there this year from Houston. And Caleb Mills is yeah. a dribble is a is a pull up shooter dribble like point guard. I I think it'd be really funny if Caleb Mills like becomes a superstar and then Hamlin's like, oh wait, you can do that. <laughs> Caleb Mills and Matthew Cleveland next year. Florida oh, uh, State's gonna be fun. Yeah, Florida State fun every year. A big Matt Cleveland guy. I love Matt. Um, yeah, and I guess like again, Io's tools are good enough that I think you can gamble on that. I was wrong last year with Jaden McDaniels because I just assumed that he would want to be Kevin Durant wherever he went, and then he decided to be like a defensive role player. He was kind of awesome for the Wolves. So yeah. maybe Io does that too, and he's awesome, and I'm wrong, but. For now, McDaniel's is better tools, obviously. Well, yeah, he's like you know six foot ten. Yeah, but yeah, it, it's the only player I, I like less than the guy who's completely one dimensional, unless it's just like something cool, like it's a guy who only does windmill dunks or something, uh, like Tyrus Thomas. Okay. Um, <laughs> of course. Um, I know we could shoot. Um, is the guy who like has ancillary skills, but like because of the role they had in college, they've kind of forced them. They, they think that they're like, they're going to be like a superstar player. And it's like, you're just not doing that. It's the anti Mikhail bridges. Cause Mikhail yeah. knew exactly what he was and is that, and is one of the best fourth players in the NBA right now. Um, that's the other thing I want to say real quick about Suns bucks. Giannis is great. Giannis is awesome. Um, I don't think Giannis can win a series where the other, the rest of the top five best players in the series are on the other team. <laughs> Unless Middleton goes nuclear. Dude, Middleton, you know what? No. I'm in. I love Middleton. Middleton was heroic in that series. Holiday basically turned into fucking Drew Bledsoe. Who's Bledsoe, Bledsoe on offense? Drew Bledsoe. Bledsoe yeah. offense. And uh, <laughs> Drew Bledsoe, former, former QB. I mean, just going by matchups, like, Drew has nothing for, for Chris Paul. We know that, that that's just not stylistically you can't guard him. I think Aiden would do criminal things to Brook Lopez, like mobility, moving it. He would just run him off the floor. Yeah. And like Mikhail on Middleton is a bad matchup for Middleton. Like I just, it, the Giannis would have to be putting up like 35 and, and 15 every game, which he could totally, do. Totally capable of doing it. He basically did it in the second round series from the second game. It's, on. It's, the Giannis stuff is so funny. It was like, I feel like everyone shits out. Like the three point shots were terrible. And like so many people shit on him because like, because the decision-making is so bad. And then you look at his numbers in the series, and he put up ridiculous numbers. On you know like- what the reason for that is? I've said this a hundred times. People still think he's a guard or a wing. Giannis is a center. I wrote this a couple days ago, too. Giannis yeah. is a center. He may be the best center in the NBA. It's all because no Jason case. Kidd made him a point guard yeah. in summer league. He, I mean... And it was a good idea at the yeah, time. Yeah, I'm not a good not idea gonna, at the time, but... Uh, you'll never hear me say this again. I'm not going to blame Jason Kidd for that one. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good idea at the time for such a young player. But I also, if you look at this has been, you know, publicized and talked about before, but Giannis's shooting form early in his career looked much, much mm. better than it does now. And now, dude, I think the how long it takes him to free throws is just so fucking funny. I can't stop thinking about it. He's too muscular is a thing. <laughs> he works out too hard. He's become the most powerful man. Like 
I love, I love, we've kind of fixed the NBA height stuff. Like they're reporting more accurate heights. They are not still not reporting. Like LeBron was still at like 250. I was like, no, LeBron is like 300 pounds. <laughs> uh, Giannis is probably like 250 or two. Like Giannis is enormous. Like shoulder. Like I saw him at summer league when he wasn't playing in like 2015 or 16 walking around. I was like, that guy is huge. Like he looked as big as Edie Tavares did. <laughs> I stood next to Giannis as well at the draft combine a couple of years ago, probably two years ago. He just walked in. I think oh. his brother Costas was there probably. Yeah. And uh, I was like, it's like, I've been around basketball players. I've been lucky enough to do this, to be around basketball players up close. But that one is like, holy shit. Yeah, I think all-star last year, I think he walked by by us down there. I was like, oh my, he is just a giant fucking person. He has like a wrestler workout regimen. Like he's a freak. Um, I was gonna call him the apex predator of the NBA, but that's actually probably Embiid, just like physically. Embiid is the only Embiid. <laughs> no. Embiid is the only guy in the NBA who seems like he's taking things. Like when he pushes people, he seems like he's not trying to kill. He's trying not to kill them. <laughs> like, yeah, that poor guy. He he jeopardized his. He may have taken months or years, maybe even more than one season off of his career playing on that knee, and he had Ben Simmons passing up dunks. What the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Uh-huh. I don't, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to like vilify somebody for maybe having like an actual mental, like just having like conf- severe confidence issues. I mean, again, Bulls fans did that to Wendell for a year and a half, and he was obviously going through some some bad shit. But like at the same time, it's like you got stuck the ball. Like, what are you doing? You got to dunk. Right. Yeah, and we've come full circle back to Ben yeah. Simmons. Yeah. Gotta love it. Real uh, quick, I want to say uh, Kofi Coburn. No, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna come back big. to Kofi. Like, do you think he'll get drafted? Maybe, but he's just too big. I mean, Yudoka Azubuki got taken in the first round last year, which was hilarious. Um, uh, Kofi. I mean, Kofi's not bad. He's just too big. Um, the Slow, the true right, the true future NBA star on the on last year's Lillard team was, of course, Andre Cabello. Cabello, yeah, yeah, of Happy. course. Once he gets that jumper down, hopefully he's, he's sick. <laughs> may have been the worst shooter because I, I went through <laughs> the shooting. He may be the worst shooter in my database, and I don't care. I love, I love him. Yeah, he's incredibly fun. He's gonna be an awesome fucking college player for. I am so excited for him yeah. to him for him to have full reins of that offense. Yeah, Cabello is one of my favorite players in the world because he's the one of the only guys who plays basketball with the intent to embarrass people. Like he wants people That's to be put embarrassed. It. Yeah, he's, awesome. he's absolutely he's sick. Yeah, he is, yeah he's the professor from Ed One. Yeah. Uh, all right. All right. Oh, let's wrap it up here. Uh, Brian, thank you so much for joining us. As always, always love your draft stuff. Please give a shout out. Pimp your work, your work out there for us. Uh, you just had a great, great thing. All right, I'll uh, pimp Brian's work for him since it's uncomfortable to promote your own work. Brian has a killer Patreon that I believe costs one dollar a month. Uh, it's whatever the minimum amount is. I have another tier too, but I, I don't really like stratifying that stuff. <laughs> Give Brian a dollar a month is the thing he wrote today. Just alone on that, he did player rankings. How many players did you rank on that? It's incredible volume. Oh, I had taken a couple guys off, so it's it's a hundred basically. But there's like 150 names on it. But the the rest of it is just like here's a list of guys, which is not really. That's not, and not ranking. He does mocks, big boards, rankings. He'll give you some draft theory. So definitely subscribe to Brian's work on Patreon if you're listening to this episode. If you made it this far, subscribe to that Patreon and. Uh, Brian, you're also you also pop up every once in a while at other outlets. Uh, Uprox, right yeah, it. yeah. So very, yeah, I basically, basically whenever either whenever I feel like it or whenever they want me to do something. <laughs> Hopefully, yeah. more more draft stuff though. That's yeah, kind of what I'm there definitely. for is to do draft stuff. So, 
you know, there's awesome. not a lot of call yeah, for that in February. Yeah. Draft season. We got the lottery again. That's tomorrow night. I believe that's like seven 30 central. So it's eight 30 on ESPN. Then the draft is basically, a, I think July 29th. So that's July 29th. Up. So it is draft season. So yeah, look out for Brian's stuff. Tons of great work, just in depth. If you want, if you don't know much about the draft, like me, I'll be reading all that stuff, all the other great draft stuff out there. So awesome. Thank you so much again for joining us, Brian. It's always a pleasure. Uh, again, Bulls, 20.3% chance to keep this damn draft pick. We'll see if it happens. It would be very helpful for them in terms of their team building if they do keep that pick. 20.3% chance top four, 4.5% chance in the number one. So that's tomorrow night. Cross your fingers. I believe Mark Eversley will be the uh, the uh, representative for the Bulls there. Okay. Like it. I think he's got good vibes. Yeah. Yeah. AK got AK got lucky last year. They went up from seven to four last year with AK. Now they're Eversley get is getting that chance. So hopefully they can at least get to four, maybe even higher. Uh, and we'll see. So that'll do it for us here at cash considerations. Thanks again to Brian for us here at cash uh, shout out to the blue wire network as always with the lottery coming up with draft season and with the, the conference finals, the NBA finals coming up, please go check out all the other great NBA podcasts across the network and all the other great podcasts, tons of great stuff from blue wire network uh, for us here at cash considerations. Please let us know how we're doing. Please rate and review us. We're listening to your pods. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, all those places uh, for me and Ricky. I, uh, I'm at, at bulls underscore J on Twitter. Ricky is at SB underscore Ricky. We will be back tomorrow night. We'll be doing a Spotify green room episode after the lottery. Ricky will have a mock draft coming out on SB nation right after the lottery. And then we'll be hitting up uh, green room. We'll be talking about if the bulls keep this pick, if they don't either way, we'll be on there talking. So please join us then uh, until then we'll talk to you guys uh, next time. And uh, thanks again, Brian for joining us. Take it easy guys. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.